Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. As I mentioned at the start of the show, a huge amount on social media and media generally since yesterday and all the papers on the death of John Hume. Uh, lots of you may recognise the name and know a lot about him. Lots of you may know very little about him um, at all. I have to say my personal favourite story is about Derry and the number of people making the point yesterday that uh, John, as he uh, got dementia, um, he still was walking out and about around Derry from time to time and he was, as they said, looked after by ordinary people in Derry and they asked him, was he okay? And in many occasions, people would uh, walk him home and that uh, you know, that thought was a lovely story about Derry and to be honest with you, I think it's the kind of thing that uh, would happen in Limerick in the same circumstances um, as well. Uh, now, uh, on the line, we have a good friend of the Limerick Today show, Helen O'Donnell, uh, who has so many hats, uh, including uh, at the cafe at the Hunt Museum uh, and uh, also uh, on the line, John Cushnahan, who was an MEP uh, for uh, this constituency for Fine Gael in the past. Before that, though, he was the leader of the Alliance Party in uh, Northern Ireland, so he knows uh, the history and politics of the North very well indeed. You're both welcome. Good morning to you. Um, Helen, uh, talk to me then about uh, John Hume and your experience of him. Well, I, 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 in light of um, all that I'm reading in the last few days, I've been very privileged to know John Hume really well. Um, I suppose it started when he was elected um, to the European Parliament. He was elected on the first day uh, to the Parliament in 1979 as my husband, Tom. So I would have known him through the Parliament. And then subsequently, I was asked by John Bruton to sit in the Forum for Peace and Reconciliation in 1994. And that grew out of an IRA ceasefire and the Downing Street Declaration. And it was a fascinating time because uh, community voluntary groups, anybody could make a submission to the forum. It was a public forum and it was um, a time when I often sat beside John Hume and indeed Seamus Mallon, who we lost earlier this year. Um, and he was, he was a giant in terms of um, politics. But it was, I suppose, a steely determination to see through peace in our time and um, lots of people would have sort of um, disregarded him from time to time because he was utterly determined and he, you know, the process faltered on so many occasions but he just seemed to see through a different lens and, you know, he'd say things like, you know, change the language and don't become entrenched because when people become entrenched and that's so often you see it happening in politics. He was all about breaking down barriers and mm. just determined and to make peace happen. What kind of person was he? He was he was just an absolute gentleman who, no matter where, when you met him, he never he never got above himself. If you know what I mean, he was just always an ordinary person, um, and he treated everybody the same way. Um, he was like a man in a hurry. I often felt. Um, uh, you know, he always saw the next opportunity. Um, I, you know, on a personal level, I often thought, you know, you just get him and brush his hair and clean his glasses because he seemed to be in such a hurry always <laughs> that he had glasses that you know you were fogged up from and you think you know, just take those glasses and, and clean them and I used to say to him that time and he'd laugh at me he'd sometimes take them off when he saw me coming at the forum because I had these glasses clean but um, he was just a very 
lovely man. His wife, Pat, is an amazing woman. She literally uh, is a saint, as they have, many people have said. Uh, she kept things going in Northern Ireland. I said John was never at home. He was constantly on a plane or on the road um, making um, things happen in Northern Ireland and all over the world. And I think he saw the European Union as a perfect template um, so, you know, to, as, of conflict resolution. Um, and you know that that could be a template to make peace, and that that worked. Uh, and I remember interviewing him in a dare at one stage, um, in person, when you didn't have to do socially distanced interviews the way we do at the moment. Yeah, um, and I, I, it was probably during one of those times when things were tough, you know. And I I remember my sense of him was that he was a man under pressure because he was under pressure an awful lot of the time in his career. Yeah, you got that sense that he was a man under pressure. He was in Limerick uh, quite a number of times, um, but he was also a man who could relax at the end of the day. And um, back in the days of the European Parliament, uh, when any group of visitors would go out, and I was lucky enough to be there occasionally, um, they used to end up in, in a pub, uh, I don't know what the right name of it was, we called it Bang the Bells. I think because he had to hit a bell to get into it. And he would <laughs> invariably, everybody who came to Europe wants to meet John Hume. And uh, Ian Paisley, ironically. But John Hume was a, a big favourite of everybody. And he'd come into that pub late and he could relax like everybody else, enjoy a drink. And always you would hear him sing um, The Town I Love So Well. If I heard him once, I must have heard him a hundred times sing that song. Um, he was passionate. There'd be tears in his eyes. As, as he sang it. Um, he was just such a lovely, yeah. gentle man. I, I always think, you know, when, when you walk around Derry and you walk around Limerick, there are a lot of parallels between Derry and Limerick, aren't there? As there are. There are. And I do remember even, you know, the whole Northern experience in terms of the community and voluntary groups that came before the forum. There were an awful lot of similarities. Um, and, uh, yeah, we have a very strong tie with Derry um, uh, in Limerick, I think. And uh, there would be a lot of similarities. And, of course, to the wall city, um, uh, just like Limerick. Um, fortunately, they've re- retained their wall and it's an amazing tourist attraction now. But, um, no, it's, it's a lovely city, great city to go and visit. Yeah. We're chatting to Helen O'Donnell uh, and also John Cushnahan is on uh, the line about uh, the late John Hume. And if you have a credit union in your locality, that's just one of the many things that uh, John Hume contributed hugely to around the country. Um, and uh, John Cushnahan, um what are your thoughts about him as a person? And then the fact that we could be having a very different discussion today. I mean, it was on a knife's edge at one stage. He was getting massive criticism, particularly interestingly enough, in sections of the media in the South about the talks with Jerry Adams. Let, let's just say well before they became popular or were proved ultimately to be the right thing to do. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Joe, and good morning to my good friend, Helen. Good morning, John. It's a pleasure to be speaking to both of you this morning. Um, John Hume was undoubtedly the outstanding politician of his generation, and I thought his significant contributions to the search for peace were were many. Firstly, uh, along with his predecessor, Jerry Fitt, as, as, as leader of the SDLP, they provided alternative leadership to the nationalist community in the North through the darkest of times, uh, particularly an alternative to IRA violence. And for me, the two most significant things that he did uh, in his persistent 
and unwavering search for, for peace and uh, a search for peace which was based upon non-violence and reconciliation was that he engaged with the leaders of United States politics and he convinced them of the merits of his analysis of the Northern Ireland problem. And I, I think that was hugely significant because at a time of high emotion and a lot of, you know, naive sentiment of, uh, sentiment about Ireland, a lot of those leaders could have uh, become propagandists for uh, and supporters of Sinn Féin and the IRA, but he succeeded in persuading them in a non-violent approach, and, and, and I think that was hugely significant. The, the other thing, of course, that you've already mentioned, um, John didn't just engage with Democrats. He decided that it was important to get the men of Ireland to the table. And he decided to engage with Jerry Adams, and uh, you're right, his decision to do that was heavily criticized, particularly here in the Republic, but it was criticized in, in the North. I think one of the problems was that he didn't, at that time, was not engaging with representatives of union, but he was absolutely right in engaging with Adams, and he was unfairly vilified for his decision to do that. And without that, he wouldn't have got Sinn Féin uh, stroke IRA to the table. And those two things in particular were critical in paving the way for the Good Friday Agreement. But, but I suppose the point I'd, I'd be making is, and I think you know, a lot of people have said this, that if it had gone wrong, and if we were still in the similar situation that we were before the ceasefires, then probably on his death there would be a lot of criticism of him as naive and having made a huge mistake in engaging with um, with Sinn Féin and with the IRA. I think that's fair comment, but let me say this and be honest and blunt about it. I mean, I was concerned about the treatment uh, in the media of Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness praising them as peacemakers uh, when both had been involved in wrecking the, the, the most important political experiment of which John Hume and, and the Alliance Party and Falter Genius were part of the partial executive. The IRA violence uh, uh, and the UDO, the loyalist, fascist loyalist strike brought that institution down. And it was only after the Good Friday Agreement that it was established. And while, 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 while Sinn Féin and, and, and Paisley did play a role in it, it was a, it was a, it was a late conviction after 3,000 people had died after the first experiment in Parshirn. And, and you're right to say if it had gone wrong, it was possible, but I don't think it would have happened, quite frankly, but it was possible that he could suffered, uh, he would have suffered a lot of criticism. The other thing, uh, the other important point I think we should recognize, well, he was uh, quite correctly in this last couple of days regarded as the architect of it. There was an awful lot of other people played very, very important parts and parts in the negotiations and bringing it about. Uh, you know, Jerry Adams made a contribution, and that has to be recognised. David Irvin of of the Loyalist Paramilitaries made a contribution, and of course the other parties' alliance, uh, the Women's Coalition, and particularly uh, the Ulster Unionist Party. Now, don't forget, and this is often forgotten, the DUP opposed the Good Friday Agreement. They opposed it, but David Trimble was a critical factor with John Hume in bringing that to fruition. And I thought George Mitchell encapsulated yeah. encapsulated the sentiments quite correctly when some what had happened, he said, without John Hume, there wouldn't have been a peace process. Yeah. And without David Trimble, there wouldn't have been agreement. And John Hume's constant persistence in the non-violent approach, trying to involve uh, both traditions, was critical in bringing it to fruition. Helen, under normal yeah. circumstances, is his funeral one that you would go to in Derry? I think it, it would be a funeral that uh, we would go to. Um, he was a good friend. 
He had come to Limerick on a number of occasions um, at, the, at Tom's invitation when he was a member of the Parliament, and they would know Pat uh, well, and they'd called it in Donegal. Um, and it's the feeling I'd love to have been able to attend. But unfortunately, under these circumstances, I will be lighting a candle at nine o'clock this evening, as requested by Bishop of Derry earlier today and the family, that people wouldn't come out and line the streets, that they would um, respectfully light a candle in their, in their, in their window. So I'd invite people to do that um, today, anybody who would um, feel like doing it, because I think it's a, it would be a very nice uh, thing to do. Yeah, and to I think, remember him. You know, in every community of everyone listening, we uh, can think of so many people who've passed away recently, and you know, and the very sad circumstances where Indeed. we can't do what we do as Irish people mm-hmm. normally. This, in a very public way, will be an example of it. Just eighty people, I think, allowed into the big cathedral um, yeah. tomorrow, and uh, you know, and you could only imagine how big that funeral would be to to mark the passing of you know someone who was. A great Irishman, no question about it, but it's just not going to be the case. It's very sad for anybody at the moment with a funeral, and I know a number of families, friends of mine in Limerick uh, today are preparing for funerals, and it's a, it's a terribly, terribly sad, lonely time for family, and you can't give somebody a hug, you can't be with them, you can't call to their homes. Uh, it's, it's a very, very tough time, and I think, um, you know, people just please be kind and remember people um, and do whatever you can to help them during a time like this. All right. Well, uh, may John Hume rest in peace. Uh, thank you very much, John Cushnahan, for uh, joining us, a former MEP for this constituency, former leader of the Alliance Party in Northern Ireland, and Helen O'Donnell with all of her connections and the Tom that she's talking about, her, her husband, Tom O'Donnell, of course, former uh, minister and MEP uh, as well. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.